You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. Plea to the Void Mother, Part 2 Far, far away from Elani's home, where her little hearth radiated its waning warmth, where she, Lysica, Ula, and the lizard person slept, there was one wakeful in the dreaming depths of the night. Ever wakeful was she, Namidia, though too was she lost in a kind of perpetual dream. Her spirit, her kini, hung there, a shimmering presence in the limitless void which comprised this space between all worlds. Time had long ago lost its meaning to her, and memory, for the most part. Yet, as she drifted within that expanse, that infinite crossroads between the realms, she felt something gently tug at the fiber of her being. It had a familiarity to it, a flavor both sweet and achingly bitter, the taste of summer sun and of haunting goodbyes. All at once her vision crystallized and she saw the young faces of her two dear friends, the best friends she had ever known in her life. A friend. What is that? She mused. The concept was now abstract to her, as it lacked any ground or context with which she could place it. These shards of memory stung her with their sweetness as they fell like slow ice through the radiant halls of her consciousness. The spring when Namidia, Ilani, and Lysica had first met had been a brilliantly sunny one, and it had arrived following a winter of heavy snows and chill nights. The earth around them seemed to blossom with the same excitement that flourished in their young hearts. They had each left their homes and all they knew to enter into apprenticeship under the tutelage of the famed moon witch Harkana Rathboon. Harkana was renowned in the northern reaches of the green country for her great skill, and her instruction was sought by many aspiring witchlings across the land. She was also not one to suffer for even a moment anyone too stuffy, haughty, indecisive, lackluster, or afraid of a little dirt or hard work. Unsurprisingly, the three apprentices she had carefully selected forged an almost immediate friendship. The bond of which was so deep, Harkana occasionally found herself jealous but mostly she was immensely proud of the three girls who each exhibited their brilliance in both unique and unexpected ways. But even in that first spring, on the very day when they had arrived at her stark hut atop the grassy, windswept hill, 
she perceived a bitter shadow, a note of sadness in the air. Lysica, her fox eyes fierce with excitement. Ilani, cool, calm, and open in her bearing. And Nemidia, timid at first glance, though she barely concealed the incredible strength and power that dwelled within her. Harkana had seen all this on the day they met, and the girls had seen their new teacher, their master, and an accomplished sorceress. The tiny rivulets of white and silver in her hair congregated in a tidy braid and set a cool contrast to the warmth of her sun-browned skin. Harkana was formidable, to be sure, and the girls were in awe as she led them into her home for a simple dinner of soup and bread. Over the coming months, the girls' particular talents and aptitudes began to emerge. With the discipline of constant practice and apt observation, Harkana excavated these latent talents with a honed precision. From the start, Lysica had shown great promise as a realm dancer in her ability to open doors between worlds, a rare and powerful art, to be sure. In an early practice exercise, the ambitious fox had accidentally opened a window into some unnamed raging sea. The ordeal had left them all soaked and keenly aware of Lysica's gift. Elani's forte had taken longer to discern, though one afternoon Harkana happened upon the pale, cool-eyed girl deep in conversation with a large brown hair. As the creature hopped off, Ilani explained simply that he had been telling her the whereabouts of a wineberry tree that was particularly full and ripe. We're free to take whatever we like, but Charlemousse the hare asked that we share some with him and his friends. They can't reach the higher branches, you see? Harkana smiled and nodded, both pleased that Ilani's talent as a fauna-wise, or which who could speak with animals, had become evident, and that they would be having wineberry pie for dessert that night. But what of Numidia? Though the oldest of the three, she was also the least worldly, and perhaps, too, the most innocent. As time passed and their skills grew, more distinctly were their threads of fate spun. Soon enough it dawned upon Harkana that it was Numidia whose thread bore that tang of loss, shadow, and separation she had detected upon her first meeting with the young women. The girl's undiscovered ability had been hinted at on the night of a wild and fierce storm. They had spent the day in a high meadow, having ascended a mountain a morning's walk from Harkana's hut. Their day had been spent under a cloudless sky, collecting the flowers and herbs that grew so selectively in those high climes. Though her stores were well stocked, Harkana had sent them off, knowing that a bit of fresh air and freedom would do the girls well. They had tarried in those high fields, falling under the spell of the endless sky and that lofty landscape. It was late afternoon by the time they set out for home, and a bank of muddy gray clouds was building on the horizon. By the time they had begun to descend the rocky trail, a late afternoon gale had blown in, and rain fell in great curtains around them. Even in their sodden state, the optimistic spirit of the day had remained with them, 
until the first peal of thunder was heard. As the day darkened, they continued their harried descent, and lightning crackled, thrusting wickedly through the brumous shadow that bore down on them. Lysica, Ilani, and Namidia uttered no words as they hastened, focusing only on placing their feet solidly on earth as rain sluiced away the muddy path. A bolt of lightning arced downward, striking the earth with a molten flame that left the wet grass smoldering. Lysica and Ilani halted their transit, now petrified with fear, and looked back at Namidia, who took up the rear of their marching order. There, in the heart of the storm, it was she alone who held her center firmly, undaunted by the chaos around them. As Lysica and Ilani looked back to regard her, they found that the calmness of her face was almost ferocious in its defiance of the quaking world around them. Keep walking, said Namidia calmly. And as the girls turned to continue on, they saw her raise her walking stick high above her, gripped tightly in her right hand. Lysica was about to utter a protest, but Numidia spoke her command once more. Move. And so they continued on, and how long it took them to descend, no one can say. The three friends passed through the belly of that storm, their transit taking them through the innermost chamber of its cacophonous magnificence. Thunder rolled and rattled and shook the earth so their ears rang, and countless times Lysica and Ilani heard lightning strike closely behind them. But each time it did, Namidia's soft voice spoke before they could turn to look back. Keep going. Those with the greatest gifts and an innocent heart often bear the heaviest burdens. They arrived at the entrance to Harkana's hut in the blackness of night, rain still thundering down around them. The old moonwitch flung the door wide before Lysica could turn the handle, beckoning them in towards the lively fire that raged in her ample hearth. Foolish, foolish girls, she cried as they shuffled in. They were shaken, bedraggled, and wet through, but alive. As they entered, they met Harkana's kind, relieved gaze. Even she hadn't foretold the turn their day had taken, and she was truly grateful they had returned safely. Lysica's normally fiery nature was muted and sheepish, and Ilani's easy bearing had been rocked back into a harrowed, wide-eyed intensity. But Namidia's eyes smoldered with a fearsome relentlessness that chilled Harkana. Harkana looked deeply to see the girl's kini and found it unmarred, unyielding as a wall of granite. I brought them back safely, she said gently as she passed, leaving her walking stick to rest upon the door frame. The top of the staff was blackened beyond recognition, and before she could pass, Harkana took Numidia's hand. The girl's fingertips were blistered and dark with ash. Lysica and Ilani were warming themselves by the hearth, but Harkana took a long moment to look into Numidia's eyes. The tall young woman that stood before her appeared simple, even plain. But she was beautiful because she was not beautiful, a person unrefined because they required no refinement. 
She was perfect and solid in who she was. Harkana brushed a crisped edge of ash from Numidia's brow. Thank you, said Harkana, and though the wizened sorceress was replete in her own accomplishments, and her deeds were known throughout the land, when she spoke those words to her apprentice, they were as much words of gratitude as they were an admission of awe. For Harkana could see that even now Numidia's power far surpassed her own. To the girl, she had simply done what was necessary to protect her friends. Are you okay? asked Harkana, seeing the vestiges of the knight's incredible trial reflected in Numidia's eyes. Yes, just tired and hungry. Of course you are. Over to the fire with you to warm up. I'll be round with a hot meal in no time. Numidia nodded gratefully and went to sit near her friends, who had positioned themselves as near to the fire as they could be without combusting. Harkana smiled softly, feeling a great relief that her students had arrived home unscathed. Then her eyes drifted to Numidia's walking stick and lingered there a moment on its charred surface, and slowly her smile faded. One of the first known moon witches in the green country was an elfin woman by the name of Kado. She had lived in a time before the great treaty of the Red Summer, and though she had long since passed, her name was still spoken with reverence. She had been the first realm dancer, single-handedly forging that arcane art that allows a skilled witch to open a door between two worlds, two places, or even different times. Her discovery of the Void Lands, that world in between, was what allowed for this magic to work. But her incredible breakthrough had come with a considerable cost. Once she had found her way into the world in between, a door had been opened that could never be closed. Strange and troubling things began to appear in the green country, creatures that didn't belong, Events unfolded which did not follow the logic of that realm. This opening threatened the very fabric of existence in the country and world Caddo loved so well, and she saw clearly what must be done. She entered the world in between once more, knowing well she would never again leave. And there she stayed for a millennia, ever vigilant, a sentinel in the void keeping watch over traffic between the worlds, the warden of the threshold, the first void mother. She lived out the rest of her days, bearing the burden with a resolute heart until old age relieved her and a worthy successor took her place. And so it had gone through the ages, a lineage of powerful moon witches formed an unbroken chain giving their lifetime to protecting the continuity of the domain. They were the most revered, respected of all those sorcerers in the green country. Over the years, Numidia's incredible power grew as she practiced and excelled in all the arts of a moon witch. Ever humble, she often helped Lysica and Ilani in mastering a particular incantation or complex magical working when they struggled Things came very easily to her, but her generosity of spirit and earnest bearing left little room for envy in her friends. 
Often, the girls, now young women, spoke to one another about what their lives might be like after apprenticeship, sharing their dreams and plans. Namidia enjoyed these conversations, hearing Lysica and Ilani's wild hopes and extravagant wishes, but she struggled to find any of her own. Perhaps it was because deep down she already knew what it was she was destined for. End of part two. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening.